Thank you, Aaron and everybody. Well, it's always a joy, it really is, to have the privilege of being able to share and be involved. We've uh, had such an interesting lead up to the election. And when the, uh, the media this morning says, well, we still don't know who's in control of the country, and I beg to differ. We do. We worshipped him this morning. We praised his name this morning. We do know who's in control of the country. His name is Jesus. And uh, I like the scripture in Psalm 118 where it says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And you could put leaders, politicians, whatever else you want to put in there. But um, we have taken refuge in the Lord and will continue to do that. And Jesus is our hope and we should all be very excited about that. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, what I'm going to talk about this morning, I have been coerced to talk a little bit about myself and some of my journey, which I don't particularly enjoy doing, but um, I promise you I will make it redemptive. But it all the, the, the emphasis we've been talking about, about being people of influence, being a church of influence, being individuals of influence, is such an important message. And I guess for many of us we can say... Well, uh, does this really apply to me? And um, do I have what it takes to be one of these people of influence? And the point that Jesse has continually emphasized is it's not about who you are. It's not about who I am. It's about who our God is. And that's our starting point. And it's where I want to, to start about this. See, the kingdom of God functions on a both and situation, which is God and his people. It's not an either or. God doesn't say to you, well, I'd like you to do this, but if you don't, don't worry, I'll do it myself. He doesn't work like that. He could easily. He'd probably be a lot better off, but he doesn't. He's chosen to work with us. And I love the story of Gideon that um, Jesse covered. And here's why, what I like about Gideon. Uh, God approaches Gideon at his downtime and when he's hiding and feeling defeated and, you know, talks to him, hey, you valiant warrior. And here's what I like. God keeps reducing Gideon's number and Gideon's army to demonstrate God's own power. But listen, he doesn't reduce them to none. He leaves 300. Why? Could he not have done it himself? Well, of course he could. You all know that. Because he says, I still want to work through my people. I want to achieve what I want to achieve through my people. And it, it's not such a mandate that God demands. It's a privilege God offers. And that's what we need to lay hold of here. And hopefully I can share a little bit about that this morning, and Paul sums this up very well in 1 Corinthians when he talks about the group of people. I'm sure they were just like our group of people, where, but in the early stages they're into all sorts of terrible things, which I know we're not. But um, he says this For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. 
But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so he, he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Now, don't take this personally, but basically what God's saying is there's not many people who are great, amazing people in their own strength. And God's fine with that because he's saying it's in our weakness. Whatever we perceive those things to be, he will demonstrate how strong and amazing he is. But he's going to do it through us, through people just like you and I. So he's not looking for the so-called elite. And it's interesting how we decide who they are, but let's not go there. He's not looking for the so-called elite. He's just looking for people who are faithful and obedient. And we can all sign up for that. I mentioned when I was sharing last about how God says he's not, he's going to demonstrate who he is and what he is doing through, through the church, through his people, out of Ephesians 3. And it follows on in verse 20, and it says, Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So God doesn't need great people. He needs willing, obedient people. And then it says his power will work through us. And what I want to share a little bit about is when I first came to know the Lord, I was 27 years old. Um, and and I, I just had right from the start this incredible hunger to know him. I still have it, by the way. Praise God. It's still there. Just as much, if not more, than ever to know him. And the words that Peter said, um, that Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? I thought, I've got to solve that question. And I have spent the last 40 years working on that. I'm still working on it and will be forever. And here's the thing I love. I've said it before. I, I know just sometimes when you're cruising along and you've got nothing else to think about, think about this. Eternity is not long enough to get to know God. Think about it. All through eternity, we're going to be learning new things about God. Isn't that amazing? People say, oh, well, heaven must be boring and all of this. These are non-Christians, of course. Are you kidding me? Eternity is not a long enough time to get to know God. So, um, but we'll be working at it and learning more and more and more as, we, as time goes by, just as we do now. But um, here's, here's where things got awkward for me and got difficult for me, because studying and reading and learning and spending time alone with God is easy for me. I've always loved doing that, but primarily I'm an introvert. I'm somebody who doesn't like a lot of attention. I love people. I have good social skills, but I always gravitate to a quiet place on my own. It's the way God has made me. I stopped apologizing for it years ago. 
Um, my, when I grew up, I grew up in Upper Hutt. It was a little country town when I first grew up here. And my mother always told me, oh, you, you would just wander off on your own to the bush and to all the quiet places. And I've spent a lot of my life doing that. But early in my journey, God revealed to me that the best way to know him is to work with him. It's amazing. I used to go to work with my father when I was a young boy. And uh, we had the joy of, I've told you before the warranties run out, but we had the joy, we did all the drains all through Lane Park, all through the property here. I still remember doing that well. I learned so much about my father as I worked with him and the different things he would teach me and let me enjoy with him. And that's how we best get to know God. And my problem, my concern was I was absolutely sure that because God made me the way I am, despite all the unredeemed things I piled on top of it, he would use me in those areas, and he didn't. He thrust me out constantly into a public ministry, and it was very, very difficult for me. It seemed that everything that I did was somehow in the spotlight and somehow was in a whole situation where it was all public and about people. And it wasn't that I was shy or couldn't do it. It's just that it's not me. It's not who I am. And then after a period of time, he called me out of my business in 1990 and I began to travel And then it got worse. You know, I had never left New Zealand, possibly never would have, until I became a Christian. And uh, when I was 31 years old, we went went on a Reach Out for Christ mission. Four people, Trevor Salisbury was there with us, went on a Reach Out for Christ mission in India. And that was my first time out of New Zealand, the first time I'd left. I had no desire to go anywhere at all. And I love being at home, either on my own or with my family, And yet for a period from 1990 on, for a period of 25 years, I was spending two weeks a month overseas. And of people who like, I've I've flown over two million air miles. And for people who like being in control, anyone who's traveled will know the minute you set foot in an airport, any control you have has gone out the window. It's gone. You have things like you're at the mercy of the weather. You're at the mercy of flight delays. Um, You're at the mercy, and what I was doing, of people forgetting to pick you up at the airport. And um, you're at the mercy of um, not knowing a language. I spent a lot of time in foreign cultures where there's very little English spoken. So you don't know the language. You don't know what's going on around you. You get often... It's a little different now, but in the early days, you'd always stay in somebody's house who you didn't know. And I can remember one time, 36 hours travel, finally getting into bed, and a newborn baby was in the room next to me, and he or she cried all night. Uh, In the morning, this guy who's staying there come bouncing into my bedroom at 7 o'clock, pulled the curtains open. He was a character. He was an extrovert, by the way, obviously pulled the curtains open and says, hi, Bruce, hope you had a good sleep. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've had none. And he says, anyway, today we're going here and there. So if you want to get up in the next 10 minutes, we'll go. And I said to him, you haven't traveled very much, have you? 
and he was saying, what, 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 you know. But anyway, that was all, that was all part of the journey. But honestly, I felt like a prisoner taken hold of by God and put in something that was like a prison to me. And I used to read two or three times how the Apostle Paul said he was a prisoner. And I thought, not that I'm comparing myself with him, but I thought, I know the feeling. I know what that is like. I love speaking and I love debating. It's about the only things, I'd done a lot of that before I became a Christian. It was about the only thing I enjoyed doing in public. And obviously when I was going, when I was traveling, it was mainly to speak. But here's the issue. You spend about over a course of two weeks, you might do five or 10 speaking engagements for 30 or 40 minutes and the rest of the time you're traveling, you're shifting, you're going from room to room, you're packing and unpacking suitcase. I actually watch the All Blacks, who I love watching. They do so much training and so much work for two sets of 40 minutes on the playing field. The rest of it's work, 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 work um, to be able to get there and to be able to do that. And I was going through this and a very well-known leader, um, his, his name is Fraser Hardy. Many of you know Fraser. He's a dear friend of mine. Was preaching here one morning and he came up to me and him and I have a lot of fun in our relationship. And this is what he said. He said, where have you been? And I told him what I've been doing. And he said, why don't you give that up? It's a dog's body job. Why are you still doing it? And um, I remember thinking of his comment and an airline pilot picked me up from um, LA airport. And he's, he, was, he had just retired and he had said, he said to me, I said, do you know that constantly crossing time zones, we're not designed for that, can, will normally take 10 years off your life. So he said, airline pilots have a shorter life expectancy than any other professional. So I thought of his comment and Fraser's comment and thought, thanks very much, guys. That is so encouraging. <laughs> but here's what I want to say. So it was so counter me and so anti who I was and what I like and who I am. Here's what I want to say, guys. I got addicted. I got addicted. The scripture in Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And I always thought that that scripture says that if we keep investing, keep investing, finally the people will get it or whatever. And, and that's true. That's always true. But... What I never realized is that that scripture came back to me and said, if we keep doing this thing, it will produce good fruit in our lives. It'll produce something precious in our own lives. And it took me a while to see this, but I realized that transformation was taking place in my life. As I was out of my comfort zone, as I was doing these things that I would never have chosen to do, and suddenly I realized there were some amazing things happening. And so I, I began to bond with some wonderful leaders who are still dear friends, both here uh, in New Zealand. And I began to experience God 
in some incredible ways, and it got me. It absolutely got me. And I committed myself, I've told you the story before, but, so I'm not going to labour it, but I committed myself, because when I get on an airplane, the first thing I do is put in my earplugs um, my, and turn on some music, and basically I'm saying the message, leave me alone. Because some people love to talk on planes, I hate it. It's just a nice, quiet time to read and study and endure the flight, which I hate as well. I don't have any fear of flying. I just I hate it. But I just said to God, I will pray for anybody anywhere. And as, I, as God called me on it and I started to pray for people, I saw the most incredible things starting to happen. Praying for people on planes and airport lounges and hotels, out on the street, wherever I went when there was opportunity, the power of God started to hit people. And right in front of my eyes as I was praying for them, I saw these phenomenal things happen. And I started to say, wow, this is addictive. Do it again. Who else can I pray for? Who else can I go and see? Who else can I find? And I just saw the faithfulness of God come in over and over again. And I began, I began to see who he was in different cultures. I began to see his reflection in Asian cultures. And I could go through the cultures that I can't find in the Kiwi culture because they're all so different, yet they're sacred expressions of who Jesus is. And I began to discover that and see him in those ways. And I began to pick up different things he was doing in different people's lives. I would get into counseling situations, and you know, when you're traveling, you have such short times with people. And often they're looking to you to help solve some problems that they've spent years digging themselves into. And frequently God would give me something, either before I met them, I'd read it in the scripture, or sitting in the room, and I'd share this, and it would just break the situations open in an instant of time. And I would just sit back, and I know this is not me. I know this is, but I'd signed up for it. I'd volunteered. He wasn't using me as a robot. Jesus doesn't do that. But he was always saying, come and partner with me and see what we will do. Because I was preaching constantly for many years, I was doing over 100 messages a year. A, a year and you can't prepare for that. And I love preparation. It's very important to me and I love doing it. You can't prepare for that. So often you've just got to give it to God. And I saw his faithfulness come through. I was sitting in LA. We'd done two weeks of meetings and I was sitting in an LA airport and I just slowly put my head back on the seat against the wall and I said, and I was about to fly 13 hours to Frankfurt in Germany to do some meetings. And I put my head back on the wall and I just said, God, I am whacked. I'm absolutely whacked. And I closed my eyes only for a second. And a guy shakes my arm and I look up and it's one of the officials. And he makes a statement to me. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this for you, but I have to upgrade your flight. Here's a business class ticket. And I, I, you know, I didn't, I wanted, I got on the plane and then started thinking about thinking I should have asked him, are you a Christian? Why did you do this? I still don't know to this day. But it was at the time I needed it most. 
and it just refreshed me for what the next leg of the trip was. Um, we, all the flights were in Sydney and all the flights were cancelled coming home. And I desperately wanted to get home. I'd been travelling for ages and just wanted to get home. And they called me, they called my name over the speaker, and there was a line of 200 people at the Air New Zealand desk in Sydney Airport trying to transfer flights and get accommodation. And they called me up to the counter and they said, we have one business class seat on a flight going back to New Zealand, do you want it? And before they could change their mind, I grabbed it. But there was times and times like that. I I had situations where I was booked to speak at fairly big conferences that advertised them, and there was flight delays. I learned to sit back and think, wow, this is going to be interesting, and watch what God does. He got me there every single time, and it was remarkable. At one time, I went to the counter, and they said, um, they said, hey, we've got to get, I said, I've got to be at this particular place. And because I'm a regular traveler, I have a gold card, which gives you certain privileges. And they said, oh, we've got to, we've got to get you to this place. So the plane's about to close the doors and they put an announcement through and they offer, if anybody's prepared to give me their seat, they offer them um, a 1,000 mile business class upgrade anywhere in America. Four people volunteered. Now only one could take it. So I go on and this guy who's volunteered coming off, is coming off and as I walk down the aisle, he's saying to me, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, and he is so happy about it. And I'm saying to him, thank you, thank you, thank you, because now I can get on my flight and go. And I, there was, I could talk all morning and I'm not going to. Of so many experiences because I have something more important out of this that I want to bring to you. The thing is, this was happening constantly when I travelled and it became habitual to me and it was happening all the time when I was home. It was happening in ordinary situations and circumstances. It was happening in my everyday life. God was always there, always ready. And one of the things that happens a lot when you're home, particularly if you like to be in control, you set your life out in an order and a routine, and there's nothing wrong with that. I can't live my life without doing that. But if we're not careful, we block God out, and every now and again, he wants to intervene. And if we open ourselves up to that, he will constantly do it. So he was in all of these situations. So I learned to try and pick up the wind of the Holy Spirit, the rhythm of the Holy Spirit, the sound of the Holy Spirit. It's been very hard. It's taken a lot of work. It's got nothing about travel. It's it's nothing about where you are. It's about who you are and who your God is and whether you're faithful and whether you're obedient. And God has called everybody who knows him to enjoy this. It's got nothing to do with leadership. See, I used to pray this, and I'm, I'm, I wouldn't tell you a lie, I'm serious. I used to say, God, if you love me, don't make me a leader. That was a constant, constant prayer. And I found in so many situations, most of them, I ended up in a form of leadership, always. And I would say, God, why is this? Why is this? But here is an amazing promise God made to me. And he has been faithful to this for nearly 35 years. He um, said, Bruce, you're a Caleb, 
not a Joshua, and I will always give you Joshua's. So over all of that time, now Caleb is a leader in his own right. We understand that, and Caleb has to take leadership roles. But all my life, God has put me with people who are Joshua's, so I never have to take the forefront in the leadership because whenever I do that, I have the ability to do it, but I don't have the grace for it. It's not my calling, and I begin to struggle and lose my peace and lose my freedom. So all through the years, I have had wonderful men, and in this case, have all been men that I still work with today that are clearly Joshua's, and I can come in beside them. And here's the key. All we need to do is know our place. I don't have to lead. I don't like to lead. Can I do it in an emergency? Yes. And will I? Yes, I will. But very quickly, I've got to find the person who should be leading and hand it back over to them. We don't have to be leaders. We don't have to be the key forefront people to experience this way of life, to be influencers. And as being influencers, have the power of God come and work (coughs) with us and through us over and over and over again. And he is so willing to do that. He wants to do that. And I found my place with joy. I found it with joy. I don't need to strive. I just need to look through this situation. And it brought me the freedom to function in who I am. So it is so important that although I am a prisoner, I'm a prisoner only of Christ. And therein lies our freedom, brothers and sisters. It's right there. Be a prisoner by all means, but be a prisoner only of Christ and he'll yoke you with him. And here is one of the most beautiful things, and I'm coming close to the end of all I want to say this morning. Jesus taught me what it is, and is still teaching me what it is to be a son. And I love it. I love being a son. I love being his son. He's taught us that. And as I get older and my world changes, I'm still his son. He's still working this through to me. He's still ordering my life. I don't travel anywhere near as much now. It's harder the older you get. I couldn't do two weeks every month now. I just wouldn't get there. But I still love to teach and to preach, and I still get plenty of opportunities to do that. But here's what I've learned. I used to love being on the playing field. Today, I love being a mentor. I love coaching and supporting other people, younger people, and watch them go out on the playing field, do it. And I love sitting in the grandstand, watching them, cheering them on, doing what I can to help them. And I I don't need to be on the cutting edge anymore. I had 30 years of it. It's a great trip. I don't need to be there anymore. All the things I ever wanted to do like that, I've done. But I am still fulfilled. I'm still stimulated. I still wake up every morning exciting at, excited at the adventure that God's going to put in my life. And it's not only just for what we call ministry or activity. Uh, one of the things Linda and I love doing, I love photography. And so I ride shotgun in the vehicle 
Linda drives. And we go out looking for pheasants. Those of you that are on Facebook that have seen all the photos and looking for all different wildlife. And I take the photos, but Linda's great at spotting them. And we go out sometimes for two or three hours when we've got the time. And guys, we have so much fun. Mostly Linda laughs at me, missing up all the opportunity. And she'll say, Linda says, Quick, there's one, there's one, there's one. Well, how do I know where to look? There's a big wide world out there and I'm hanging out the van with my camera going, where, where, where? And then she says, take it, take it, take it. So I start clicking on the camera and then she says, stop it. The clicking's frightening them away. And I thought, whoa, what do I do? And we just laugh and laugh and laugh and we have so much fun. But see, God's in that. God's in the midst of that. He puts the adventures on for us. He doesn't say, well, this is so-called sacred or ministry and this is secular. He, no, he knows nothing about that. That's what we as humans do. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't think that way. He doesn't act that way. He wants to be in the midst of everything, our quiet times, our fun times, our noisy times, all those things, our times of worship and our times of praise. And so it's so important that we understand. And God's call is a gentle call to us saying, come and sign up for this and you'll have an adventure in life that most people only dream of. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, even your dreams can't get to the point of what I will do with you in reality if you sign up for this. And I've had 40 years of it and I'm still addicted. I'm still out there. I can't do the things I used to do. But you know what? I don't want to anymore. I can do all sorts of new things. And that's fantastic. So let me wrap this up. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Isn't that great? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Isn't that great? Fun works, adventure works. There's a cost in it. We know that which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, the call of God for us to be influencers is to sign up for what I've just described. Walking with him, journeying with him, having the excitement of him, even putting the rubbish out can be an experience in God if we allow it to be. See, what he's really saying is that we are his beloved We're not his servants, that's part of it, but we're his beloved. He passionately loves us. He wants to work with us. He takes joy in us. And the true wealth, the true treasure of life, which he has sent aside for us, will only be discovered as we sign up for this. It's there for us. Nobody can take your place. No one can get what God has for you. The only thing is we can miss out on it because we don't sign up and we don't make ourselves available for it. It's the prize of life. And he wants all his sons and daughters to seize it. And it's available for everybody. I want to finish on this scripture. It's Isaiah 45.3. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places. Don't you love that? He's going to give you hidden wealth of secret places. No one else can find it. 
only you can the hidden wealth he's got for you. No one else can lay hold of it. No one can rob it from you. So that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. You know, most people feel very excited if somebody comes up who might be considered famous or whatever and remembers their name, walks up, says, Hi, John. Hi, Mary. They think, Wow, I only met him or her once three years ago and they've remembered my name. Do you know that God calls you by your name? By everybody. And he's calling all of us now. Come out and be people of influence. Come out and be the people he's called us to be. Let's seize this life. Honestly, guys, it's worth seizing. Let's pray.